Hello and welcome to Her Moment in History, the podcast. I'm Grace. I'm Michelle. The theme this week is is lies. Or liars? Yes. Cause, yeah. Because I come up with the idea of the Deception Trilogy. So <laughs> I'm loving. Yeah, so there's going to be one episode on lies, spies and disguise. So kicking it off with lies. Yep. And so you're going first. So who have you done? So she has many names, but she is known... Mostly as Cassie Chadwick. Interesting. Or Cassie L. Chadwick. So she was born... She's one of the rare people who were, who were born and died on their birthday, like Shakespeare. Okay. You didn't really need to know that. But yeah. So she was born in the, on the 10th of October, 1857. And she was a Canadian woman who defrauded several American banks out of millions of dollars. <laughs> right. Okay. Yep. Very fun character. <laughs> so she was born Elizabeth Bigley in Eastwood, Ontario in Canada. And her parents, they owned a small farm and she had three sisters and a brother. Her father worked on a Grand Truck Railway and she was known as by her family as Betsy. Mm-hmm. And as a child, she was known to daydream and tell fibs. Okay. I mean, don't all children? Exactly. But you know... Mm-hmm. When you turn out to be a massive fraudster, I mean... <laughs> they, yeah, it's like, when you find out what somebody does in an adult, you're like, well, they showed hints of that as a child. It's like, no, that's what all children do. That's the fun of being a child, lying. Yeah. So at the age of 14, she went to Woodstock in Ontario, and she opened a bank account where she, with dubious letters of about an inheritance from an unknown uncle in England, which included a small amount of cash. Um, so it, she actually got through it for a while, and like she got the money and stuff, but then they don't quite know how. They realised that it was forgery, and that she'd made it up but just to get money. <laughs> how do you like go to a bank and you say, I want money from my uncle in England? Like, Don't they check that he... I think she had letters of inheritance and then, like, checks that she'd fraud, like, forged. That's the word. Forged, that's the word, yeah. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, I mean, clever that she even found the letters then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she did write them, and she was 14, which... So, she got the checks through, and she bought some things with it, but then, somehow, it doesn't say how she was caught, but she was arrested for forgery, and then she was released to a due to her age and on grounds of insanity. Okay. And there's bits where I'm... Because it doesn't quite add up, the research, but it says following a three-year absence. I don't know if the three-year absence is a three years in jail or she just went missing for three years. (laughs) Both. You know, it could be both. So she returned to the family's farm in uh, 1875 and she found that her sister... Alice had moved to Cleveland, Ohio, and she decided to just move there too, to be with her sister, to get a fresh start. Okay, cool. Um, Did her sister, like, want her to go, or did she just, like, turn up on her doorstep and was like, the family, you can't refuse me? I'm not quite sure. Again, there's not that much information. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. So she stayed with them only briefly, but then she rented a house on um, 149 Garden Street in Cleveland. Someone out there might know where they are, so that could be exciting for them. <laughs> but So I was going, that's my place, that's where I live. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if the person who was listening to it in that house? Oh, oh my creepy. goodness. We should go visit. Yeah. <laughs> so then it skips a bit, and it says when she was here, she claimed to be a widow, and she took the name of Madame Lydia de Vere, and she set up Lid- a... Sh- what? Lydia, Lydia de Vere. Lydia de Vere. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's really what Lydia Divia. Divia. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so she set up a shop as a clairvoyant, 
with funds that she got from a bank loan from her sister and brother-in-law. But then in 1882, she married a Dr. Wallace Springsteen. And then they, you know, they got married and she she was then Mrs. Lydia Springsteen. That sounds less amusing. She should have kept her name, her false she name. should have done. And a picture of her getting married was in the Plain Dealer newspaper, which her sister saw and then found her to demand the debts that she owed to her sister. <laughs> right. So the money hadn't been... No. <laughs> had she... Yeah. So when the husband found out, he threw her out of the house and uh, filed for divorce and let her to settle her own debt. Fair. Mm-hmm. I mean... Okay. Yeah. So after that, she re-established herself as another clairvoyant called Madame Marie LaRose. <laughs> Wait, what? I know, she just keeps changing her name. Fair. It must um, get very confusing. I know. And she married a, a John R. Scott, who was a, fo- a farmer from somewhere in Ohio. And mm-hmm. um, she convinced him to sign a prenuptial agreement because... She said that her first husband was very abusive, and so she didn't really trust people. So she lived with him for four years on the farm, and then she went to a lawyer and left a sworn statement of adultery, and then told the lawyer to file for divorce, and she left and divorced him. Okay. So this is where it gets confusing. This is where it gets confusing. I know, it's very confusing. (laughs) So it says, the first US fraud trial, but it doesn't say what the fraud was for so i don't know if like all the years previously caught up with her but she was sentenced to nine and a half years whoa in prison in toledo for forgery she served four and then she was released and Mm -hmm. um, she returned to cleveland okay so then she when she got to cleveland well returning to cleveland she took the name Mrs. Cassie Hoover, and this is my favourite story out of the whole of it. She she opened a brothel on um, the city's west side. Okay. And so at the brothel, she met her next husband, who was a wealthy widower doctor named Leroy Chadwick. And was he, like, a client? Maybe. It doesn't actually say. Because um, <laughs> that's a bit weird. It's like, she owns the brothel, so she's, like, a madam. Well, this... And then this guy walks in. To have sex with somebody... Oh, you're going to tell me the actual story. Okay, carry on. I'm going to tell you the actual story. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So she knew that he just lost his wife and he was quite rich. So um, she was playing along that she was running a respectable boarding house for women. Right. Yeah. And then he was like, "Uh, no, this is a brothel. (laughs) (laughs) What gives it away? Girls, put your boobs away. (laughs) And so she fainted and... um, (laughs) And then when she woke up, she she claimed that she'd never run such an establishment. And um, she begged the doctor to immediately take her away in case anyone thought she was running a brothel. (laughs) Okay, I mean, I was going to say, surely her names are on the deeds, but I guess... Yeah, why would you check? Her name is a bit, yeah. So her and the doctor married in 1897. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, such a fun life. Yeah. And so somewhere in all of this, she had a child. And I don't know who right. with. And it's not quite sure if the, 
the doctor she married knew about the child right. or she because i think she kept in contact with the child so i'm not sure if she was hiding it or she was just openly living it with the child with okay. the doctor you don't know so the child was staying with one of the women from the broth so i'm guessing okay. he doesn't know because it would imply if she claims that she has nothing to do with the brothel that would it make would sense be weird if she was <laughs> if she was just like oh by the way that brothel i don't own and have nothing to do with one of the women there has my child i mean if she's going with the story it's a respectable house of ladies <laughs> yeah oh, oh sorry of course yeah i sorry that respectable house of ladies i have nothing to do with one of them has <laughs> my child <laughs> but when she was charged previously she told the court that she was single and had no children but at that mm. point she did have a child so Ooh, it's a bit nice yeah yeah. And then they found in the 1900 U- United States census that she'd identified herself in this as Cassie Chadwick, born the 3rd of February, 1862, in Pennsylvania. All which, of that's wrong. Yes. Because she was born in October, 1957, and in Canada. Yeah. But that's what they found in the, the census. Was she, like, impersonating people? Or were they just random names that she... I think they might have just been random names. Oh, okay. I mean, because it's a lot... It would have been a lot easier to get away with. Yeah. But then on her son's documents, he was registered as born in Canada. So, very oh, weird. Yeah. So, she lived with her husband on... It was a Euclid Avenue in Cleveland, which was also known then as Millionaire's Row. So, like, nice. all the rich people. And it had, like, Rockefellers who lived there, the Hannahs, Whoa. the Hayes, and I, I don't know them people. But I know Rockefellers. Yeah. We, do, we did an episode on them. <laughs> and she was really trying to get in with this crowd. And so she was always trying to, like, buy them things to win their favour. But mm. they didn't really like that because they thought she was a bit odd. So when she was invited to social events, it was because of her husband. Yeah. Um, it wasn't because they wanted her there. That's quite sad, but yeah. yeah. And the next bit is what she is most famous for. So in 1897, she began, she identified herself, well, she tried identifying herself as Andrew Carnegie's illegitimate daughter. So Andrew Carnegie at the time was a big industrialist, philanthropist and one of the richest Americans then. Yeah. So is he who the university is named after? There's a university. The Oh, I I, I thought it was a Carnegie music Mellon? hall called Carnegie Hall. Ooh. I mean, there might be a university. They name everyone after university. Let's <laughs> let's pro- Yeah. <laughs> Ignore I said that. Carry on. <laughs> So when she went on a visit to New York, she asked one of her husband's acquaintances, who was a lawyer named Dylan, um, to take mm-hmm. her to Carnegie's home. But what she was actually doing was visiting the housekeeper of the Carnegie's home, and she was just trying to get like more information about mm. the Carnegie's and like checking uh-huh. all credentials and stuff. And it does say, which this bit sounds a bit odd, that when she came back, she dropped a paper, and um, the lawyer picked up the paper, and it was a promise promissory note which is basically a check for two million dollars with carnegie's signature on it oh and so when the lawyer saw that she was like what and then she was like what (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) how did that get there so weird she revealed to him in secret that she was the illegitimate child of carnegie and so he promised to keep the secret and apparently carnegie didn't want anything to do with her so he, filled with guilt, just gave her a load of money to sort of get her away. And so she got this $7 million 
dollar check tucked away in Cleveland and um, she was telling everyone that she was going to inherit 400 million when Carnegie died. So wait, Carnegie actually did write her a check? I thought she'd forged it. This is what I don't know. It's not quite sure because it's all murky. Okay. So maybe, I'm guessing he didn't. Maybe she found like his signature somewhere and copied it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe he did actually sign it and forgot. Yeah. Maybe it was like a low-key kind of underhand restraining order that he'd signed it for. Yeah. I mean, it's a Like, stay away big... from me, please, and I'll give you two million. I mean, can you imagine, though? He's like, but I'm a faithful man. <laughs> and he genuinely was. And he's like, I definitely do not have an illegitimate child. <laughs> but she just sort of... But- went with it <laughs> took a guess but, but i suppose even if like he was like i definitely don't have an illegitimate child if she was like yeah but i'll tell everybody that you do and then yeah that's what she was yeah they might prove it but your name's already gonna be dragged to the dirt and he was like fine i fine okay two million isn't that much i'll give it to you i mean she did have another one that was seven million which... oh christ okay so nine million oh okay this is starting to add up then that's a bit yeah, and so Dylan put the that one in a safe deposit box mm-hmm. um, so she could hide it away. And so a lot of banks found out that she was going to inherit 400 million when oh. Carnegie died. So they were all oh. offering their services because it's good business for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for the next eight years, she used her fake background to obtain loans that eventually totaled to about $2 million, which is about 50 million in today's currency. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. And so she she sort of relied on the assumption that no one would actually ask Carnegie about his illegitimate daughter because they didn't want to embarrass him. Clever. And it worked. It did. So, and then, because she just kept saying that, because the banks were charging ridiculously high interest rates. She was just like, don't worry, as soon as he dies, you'll get all the money. <laughs> and um, Ooh. eventually, someone noted, like, found out how many uh, loans she'd taken out by all individual banks and they were yeah. like nope this doesn't add up because if she can't pay back us and we need that money she's probably doing it to everyone and then they sort of pieced it together and she she you know she did have a lavish lifestyle out of the con while it lasted well yeah she didn't seem the kind of person to i don't know you know do stocks shares yeah i mean she she bought some diamond necklaces she enough clothes to fill 30 closets and a gold organ (laughs) and she was known as the queen of ohio but apparently she did give money to the poor and the suffrage movement okay i mean that doesn't you know completely absolve her but no it is nice yes yes so yeah 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 so it was a a banker in massachusetts who was called herbert b newton who Mm -hmm. she'd had a hundred and ninety thousand dollar loan from him and he's the one who found out about all the other loans right because he was trying to get his paid back and that's how she got caught and so she couldn't pay so the bank sued and so she was caught (laughs) (laughs) she she was caught yeah Yeah, cool (laughs) i like it she was how much time do you have to do when you steal the equivalent of 500 million she was sentenced to 14 years 14 yeah with a fine of seventy thousand. Woohoo! that's quite a bit yeah but the another reason they actually found out was because they asked um, Richard Carnegie if he'd ever signed any of these promiss- promissory notes and he's like I haven't signed one of them in 30 years so no oh that's yeah pretty good like I didn't just you know 
straight off ask him, do you have any idea what's going on? He was like, what? So they just asked instead, asked him, have you signed one of these specific pieces of paper? And he was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) So she, when she found out that they sort of caught her, she fled to New York and she was then caught at her apartment in New York and then taken back to Cleveland. (laughs) Sneaky. (laughs) (laughs) Where am I going to hide? My own apartment. And she was arrested and she was wearing a money belt containing over $100,000 worth of cash. Why was she carrying it? I'm guessing so she can run away (laughs) or bribe someone. I don't know. Okay. You can do many things with money. So... Her husband then decided to take a European tour with his daughter around the exact same time the scandal broke out. Right. To avoid I kind it. of forgot she had a husband at all this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he filed for divorce just before leaving. Ooh. Yes. So when the banks found out in Cleveland, they were very shocked. <laughs> and one, this... I think the most that she took from a bank was the Citizens National Bank of Oberlin, which she'd loaned $800,000 from. Oh my God. Which actually forced the company to go into bankruptcy because they could not pay it off. Shit. Yeah. I'd feel more guilty about that. Like, you just ruined someone's livelihood. Yeah. But it is a bank. It's connected to the government. So I don't know. Yeah. Mm. So her second US fraud trial takes place. So Andrew Carnegie actually attends the trial because he wants to see the woman who has been claiming to be his illegitimate daughter and conned all the money out of him. I just love the idea that he'd never met her. Like he's sitting there and just goes, so which one is she? She's that one. (laughs) That one? No, no, the one next to her. Oh, right, yeah, 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 cool. That's meant to be my legitimate daughter. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, a lot of the people who lived on Millionaire's Row also attended. The trial was very big in the media. They just liked the gossip, though, didn't they? Yeah. So on the 10th of March, 1905, she was sentenced to 14 years in prison and the fine of $70,000, which was conspiracy to bankrupt the Citizens National Bank and conspiracy against the government. Christ. (laughs) So on the 1st of... January 1906 and um, she was sent to the Ohio State Penitentiary in Columbus mm-hmm. and um, because she was famous they let her bring with her a trunk of goods for her prison cell which included clothing photographs and furniture well hold on I know <laughs> that's not how she work no but it is yeah <laughs> and the prisons were like yeah. yeah it's fine she's famous I don't want to you know make a point about the fact that sometimes the elite get special treatment even when they do bad things but I think it's pretty apparent yeah yeah so she then suffered a nervous collapse on the oh. 17th of September 1907 which left her blind oh Christ, okay. And then she actually died on the 10th of October 1907 at the age of 50. Exactly 50 on her birthday. That's quite nice. Like, that's not nice. I mean, she died. That's really sad. But like around, Mm. yeah, around number 50 on the dot. Exactly. Very convenient. It's weird that like one nervous clap is what meant that she had her husband. And then another (laughs) nervous collapse is what meant she died. Yeah. So just before she died, she'd arranged for... Like, she'd hidden a bunch of funds for a child somewhere, and so she told him where it was, and he paid for her to get a tombstone in the family plot so she could go back there. Aww. I mean, I'm not sure if they'd actually want that, though, seeing as she stole money no. from them. And... The only the only reason, like, I would want that in my family plot, if we had a family plot, would be that when you'd go with, like, your own kids, you could point at it and go, oh, yeah, she was batshit, and, like, mm. just... <laughs> And just be like, just then pass over the story. And yeah. And then anyway, here's your grandparents and then here's your... Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the mansion that she left 
like where she lived with her, her husband for mm-hmm. a while after her death became a big tourist destination for her i mean just i'm guessing because they knew it was all stolen money maybe i don't know oh, yeah but then in the early 1920s they tore it down so they could build liberty hill baptist church which is what's there now um so they the, so right so a house of stolen money was torn down yes they didn't just renovate okay and then they built a church yeah it's the 1920s. Okay. I don't know. Okay. It's just, there's, <laughs> ooh, it's, you can draw a lot of metaphors from all that, but okay. I know. Yeah. So a film was meant to be made about her life mm-hmm. called The Duchess of Criminality, which it said mm-hmm. that it was meant to start filming this year, but. Oh, that's unfortunate. There's nothing about it anywhere so i couldn't actually the only place i found it was on wikipedia but then on imdb oh. doesn't exist so maybe that got shelved i mean i think anything that went into production this year yeah has got shelved unfortunately true but yeah i think it'd make a good film but very good very there's so many ups and downs you, you wouldn't really know where you were until you were like oh oh she's dead it's over it's not over. There's now a family plot. No, it's no, yeah. good. But it might be easier to follow when you see her face the whole time. Yeah. So, like, the name changes. Yeah, they won't be as confusing. confusing. Yeah. Can you imagine, though, if this one poor woman actually had nothing to do with all these other women and they just accidentally put them all together <laughs> and now she's famous, <laughs> but she didn't actually do this? Yeah, those three years when she went missing... Yeah, anything she wasn't missing. <laughs> yeah, it's just actually another woman that was just like, I was just living my life, not doing anything exciting. Anyway, then she changed her name again. Crazy. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Blimey, you did good. I mean, she only got two years in prison out of the forty. I mean, she did die, so she did die. It depends what your you know definition of justice is, but true death. Yeah. I mean, I just like that she got away with it because <laughs> I just love that everybody was too awkward to just ask him. Yeah. To ask Carnegie. <laughs> like, should, should we just ask him and just solve a lot of people, a lot of grief? Just, no, we can't do it. We can't bring it up. It's just too old. It's so easy to take advantage of, like, Victorian morals. <laughs> I, I, I just thought it was, like, a British thing that we didn't mention things, like, because they were yeah. too awkward. But, no, apparently the Americans did it too, which is good to know. Mm. I mean, in America at that time, it was seen as shameful if you were pregnant. You had to hide the fact that you were pregnant because really? that implies that you'd had sex even if you were married, and that was too oh, shocking for anyone to know. Oh, so when when a child turned up, Mir- like, was miracle. A child, not a hint. The, <laughs> the stalks. stalks brought it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. A weird time. Were, they, were the were the husbands allowed to know? Or were they, now you're <laughs> no a father. <laughs> I mean, they weren't allowed to be in like the birthing room, were they? They had to like sit downstairs. Mm, which yeah. I mean, Just they had to be the there pack. to get the pregnant anyway. I don't know. To get the pregnant. To get the pregnant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had to be there to get the pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shall we take a break? Oh, I think that's a good idea, yeah. We'll see you in a minute. Hi, I'm Heather. And I'm Rhonda. And we're two wine-loving, psych-nerd, long-distance friends who host the podcast Wine Mind, where each episode we break down a psychology topic while getting buzzed on a bottle of wine. And sometimes we make up words. Have you ever poured back a few glasses of wine and found yourself wondering, why is wine so awesome? Why is it so hard to make friends in adulthood? What's the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath? If so, then Wine Mind is the podcast for you. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And check out our website at winemindpodcast.com. You can also find us on the social medias as at winemindpodcast. So uncork a bottle and join us. Cheers! Cheers!
Welcome back. Welcome back. Right, so the person that I've done, um, I'm kind of not going to tell you... So the, the person I've done has also like lied about who they are, maybe. <laughs> so I'm going to start from like the where our, you know, in commas story okay. begins. So it's 1920, yes. okay? So, you know, yours has just died. Mine is just mm-hmm. at the peak. And a woman is found uh, trying to commit suicide in Berlin by jumping off a bridge into a canal. Oh. It's a good start. Yeah. She stopped. <laughs> it is... Well, it's her start, yeah. She stopped um, and she's rescued and she is taken to mm-hmm. hospital. She has no papers and she refuses to tell anybody what her name oh. is. So, um, at hospital, a lot of the nurses kind of go, hmm, she speaks kind of funny. Like, she do- she's not mm-hmm. speaking German. And she doesn't speak with a German accent, but they think it's Russian. Interesting. Yeah. So they're like, well, she's got to be Russian then, based on our knowledge. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. She also has scars all over her body, on her head, you know, on her actual, like, Mm -hmm. body. Yeah. Um, So they call her Fraulein und Bekannt, which means um, Miss Unknown. Um, and she's sent to a mental hospital in, oh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Reinickendorf, mm-hmm. um, where she then lives there for two years um, in the hospital. She meets, like, other people there, other patients. One of the patients kind of meets Fräulein Unbeckend and says, right, I'm convinced that you are Tatiana Romanov. Oh. Right? So... Tatiana Romanov was the second daughter of Tsar Nicholas mm-hmm. II, who, um, for those who don't know, he was the last Russian mm-hmm. Tsar, who's like a king. When did they um, all and die? Do you him, know? 1918. Ah, okay. I think it was July. Yeah. Um, and when the, you know, there was a big uprising and they didn't want the Romanovs in power anymore because they'd been ruling for 300 mm-hmm. years and wealth and they'd been spending money on things that didn't need money uh, all this and the other whilst all their people lived in poverty so different groups kind of rose up overthrew them and one particularly violent group mm-hmm. took Nicholas his wife Alex and their five children so four mm-hmm. girls and one boy and they took them into a room where they basically kind of hid them for a long, long time. I'm forgetting all the specifics mm-hmm. right now. Where basically they like tortured yeah. them um, and then shot them all. They, I think, shot the kids first so that the parents had to watch and then just kind of announced that they were all dead but then their bodies were never really found. Mm. So, happy Very. story. Not. Yeah. So, but because the bodies were never found, there was a lot of speculation that actually they they'd survived mm-hmm. somehow. So this patient um, at the hospital is convinced then that you know Fräulein Beckend is Tatiana. So um, this, but one patient tells other patients, and they're all then convinced because mm-hmm. why not? And then. That kind of gets, you know, on and on. And so the ball starts rolling until a local um, Russian captain called Nicholas von mm-hmm. Schwab, I just really Good like name. his name, uh, was told as well. 
Thank you. So he goes to the <laughs> asylum to um, have a little gander. Um, and they have a conversation. Mm-hmm. He kind of is on board with this idea that, you know, this was Tatiana. And he shows her a picture of the ja- Dowager Empress, who I think would have been... Oh, wait, no, yeah. Is her... Would have mm-hmm. been her grandma. And after he leaves, um, Unbekint then says, yeah, he's got a picture of my grandma. So he then invites... Uh, Tatiana's lady in waiting from like before uh, the fall of the Romanovs, uh, who was called uh, Sophie. I'm going to pronounce all these names wrong. Sophie Buxhoverden. And Sophie looks at this girl (laughs) and goes, It's not her. She's too short. So, Fraulein Beckins then turns around and says, I didn't say I was Tatiana. You all assumed that, but I am Anastasia, who was the youngest mm. daughter. It's a good twist. Mm-hmm. It also says that Tolstoy went with them. <laughs> <laughs> it also says that Tolstoy went with them, but that was like very quickly brushed over, mm. so I just, I kind of ignored it, but mm. kind of key. Anyway, um, so she said that she'd survived because her and her sisters had sewn the jewels into their clothes, which meant that their clothes were very difficult to Um. pierce so that they couldn't be shot and then when they hadn't died um, they used bayonets to try and then kill them but they hadn't worked either Mm -hmm. because you know the jewels so she just pretended to be dead and then when the soldier a soldier was called to take the bodies away he kind of helped Mm -hmm. her escape (laughs) So she was like, okay, it's fine. So she, she fled and she was now trying to find her relatives. And the movie begins. Um, who weren't dead, obviously. Uh, but then she was like, what, what, if they don't recognise me, I'm shamed. So that's why she was on the bridge trying to kill herself. Oh. oh. See? That didn't that happen in the... Is it yeah. a Fox film? The animated one. Dreamworks, I think it was. But yeah, no, it didn't happen in that. I think it was a bit too dark. Yeah. <laughs> so, so everybody is now convinced that this is Anastasia Romanov, even though Sophie, who had met Anastasia, says it what is not. What would she know? She's a maid. <laughs> oh, obviously, yeah. She must have been blind the whole time yeah. she was serving the family. So, regardless of this, she's taken out of the asylum and she's just given a room. That's nice. By this guy uh, who was a Russian police officer before Nicholas had died. So I got a bit confused. I, I think, so after the Romanov family died, anybody, well, after the immediate Romanov family died, anybody who was uh, a supporter mm-hmm. of them or who was also part of the elite in Russia kind of left and became part of this group, which I've forgotten the name of now, but I think basically just means like Russian mm-hmm. immigrant or emigrant, sorry, um, and they kind of maintained contact with one another, but just around the world, so they just kind mm-hmm. of spread. So, yeah, there's like a lot of. I think if they heard that, oh my god, Anastasia was left, then a lot of them like flocked oh, yeah. towards it because they still all kind of knew each other. So, um, mm-hmm, I'm gonna skip that bit because it's not important. So she was also um, so she started going by the name mm-hmm. of Anna, obviously because Anastasia. 
uh, and Tchaikovsky, of which I don't know why she picked that surname. She just decided taking one person's name was mm-hmm. not enough. So, all of a sudden, loads of people wanted to see her, including uh, her Aunt Irene of Hesse and by Rhine. Mm-hmm. I think that's in Germany. Um, who looked at Anna, Anna, this new Anna, and said, I have no idea who that is. And then there was also Princess Cecile of Prussia, who, right, I, I spent a lot of time looking at family trees of the mm-hmm. Russian family. Complicated. Bearing in mind that... So complicated. All royals were having sex yeah. with one another. It was so complicated. They just married each other and created new you countries. You keep the pure blood that and way. And then moved. It was... Just keep the pure you blood. Are. Despite the genetic defects. Uh, yeah, but it's just... Uh, yeah, it's just... Well, yeah, because Anastasia's younger brother, Alexei, had uh, yeah. hemophilia. So, I mean, it wasn't working, mm. but... Um, so this Princess Cecily it was related to her somehow I think from what I could see that her great granddad was also Nicholas's great granddad so they were like you know third Mm -hmm. cousins twice removed or something like that Uh, so anyway Anna refused to even meet her at all she was like no no I'm not having having Mm -hmm. her come so Cecily was quite wounded by this. She was like, why me? I don't even know who you are properly, other than you're meant to be mm. my family. But then years later, Cecily said that Anna definitely was Anastasia. Oh. Yeah. Weird. So, whatever, they must have had a cold relationship whilst they, you know, whilst Anastasia was alive anyway. Mm. So, skip forward. It's now 1925. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anna has um been living as anastasia for three years now uh she gets tuberculosis in her arm which i didn't realize no nope. could happen I thought it was in her lungs. um so did i um and she's rushed to hospital she's greatly ill and she's visited by yet more people who just want to be nosy so her mum's groom of the chamber comes anastasia's tutor comes anastasia's nursemaid comes her aunt Olga comes. <laughs> uh, and when they all look upon her, they go, that's not Anastasia. Oh, wow. <laughs> We're really sad she's ill, but that's not her. <laughs> oh, that must be fun. Uh, yeah. Despite this, loads of people still believed it. A year later, when I think she's mm-hmm. gotten better, um, she's offered safety in um, a Swiss city uh, by Anastasia's great uncle, the Prince of Denmark. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, they give her a temporary passport that says Anastasia Tchaikovsky in it, um, and it has all of Anastasia, Anastasia Romanov's personal details. But she doesn't stay there long because um, she she has to be moved, I think, because. Oh, no, that's later. Uh, and she's moved to the Bavarian mm-hmm. Alps. Because why not? Uh, she's then visited by her family's... Um, right, so the niece of her family's physician. Mm-hmm. Not Rasputin. Um, who's called Tatiana uh, Melnik. Who said that Tchaikovsky... Well, that Anna looks like mm-hmm. Anastasia. But her mouth has changed... Uh, you know, of course, she's not. Her face is so lean. Her nose looks bigger, and also that 
behaviorally she's just really childish Mm -hmm. that she'd forgotten languages um that when she spoke it was incoherent and you know kind of incorrect as well um and the information she was sharing wasn't correct i'm guessing they just put it down to like trauma literally (laughs) they just said well it's memory issues trauma obviously so what melnick does is she coaches (laughs) she must have been so great yeah she's like well you can't (laughs) anna was like really fantastic because that was the one thing i was failing on was actually knowing things that she knew um so the the her Great uncle, the Prince of um, mm. Denmark, has his funds cut, uh, which he'd been giving to Anastasia, well, to Anna, uh, because he was literally not allowed to give her any more money. <laughs> um, so <laughs> this other relative of the Tsar kind of, you know, peeks up and he kind of puts his hand up and he goes, oh, it's fine, I'll just buy her a castle. Nice. <laughs> and they're like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, I, just, I have this castle, I'll just give it to her. So... Um, she goes to live in this castle. Um, at the same time, uh, her uncle, um, who I don't think believes what's going on, is like, this This can't be really mm-hmm. true, hires a private investigator called um, Martin Knopf, I think mm-hmm. his name's pronounced, to investigate what Anna's saying. And, like, immediately, Martin's like, right, here's, here's the shiz. It's not <laughs> Anastasia. <laughs> She's not even Russian. Right. <laughs> what she is, is a Polish woman <laughs> called Francesca Franceska, um, mm-hmm. I think it's pronounced. She worked in a munitions factory during the First World War, accidentally blew herself <laughs> up. <laughs> That's what all the marks mm-hmm. on her body were. Um... Because of that, she became depressed, which is very, very sad. Um, and then insane. That's not really expanded upon, mm-hmm. because why would they? Um, and then in 1916, she was sent to live in an asylum. Mm. In 1920, <laughs> Francisco went missing from the asylum and hadn't been heard of by her family since. Very convenient. So in 1927, <laughs> I know, right? And yet there's still people going, that doesn't seem no, too much. true. So in 1927, um, Francisco's brother Felix comes to see Anna, um, looks at her and goes, mm, I'm not sure. Wow. I'm not sure. Anna turns around and says, I have no idea who this dude is. He leaves the room and he says, no, that is my sister, but she's like a lot happier now and she's in a different life so maybe it'd be better if i left That's her with it quite nice quite but nice I'm... yeah but like <laughs> <laughs> she's she's stealing the identity of a dead girl that is also true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so <laughs> this um other guy called gleb yeah yes. that's his name gleb um gleb botkin who's um a son of another one of the Romanov mm. doctors, still not Rasputin, um, is convinced that Anna is Anastasia, despite everything mm-hmm. that's happened. Um, and he makes it his life's mission to convince everybody else that it's her to keep her safe and to restore her fortune. Oh, wow. Does he do that? Yeah. 
Does he restore what? the fortune? He tries oh. so much. He takes her to New York mm. to live with him because why not? Um, and so it got kind of confusing because Nicholas is never like legally killed. So on like paper, they, there is no confirmation oh, yeah. of his death. It's just everybody kind of knows that it happened. It means that his fortune can't actually be released. Right, yeah. So they have to wait like 10 years and t- 10 years after his supposed mm-hmm. death, his real death, until they can release his fortune. So in 1927, uh, in 28, sorry, that's when they can then uh, release his fortune. So Gleb is like, fantastic, we'll get it mm-hmm. for this Anna. But he runs into a bit of issue because then everybody says that he's actually in it only for himself and he wants to steal it from oh. Anna. So, no money was ever actually found. Like, they didn't actually manage to get any money. Because there was, like, rumours it was, like, hidden in some mm. places it wasn't. But surely when um, the people who killed of... them just got that money. I assume so. Yeah. I like, there was a lot, I think, because, obviously, a lot of the Russian elite kind of just yeah. disbanded. They took a lot of the wealth with them. I mean, that's what Fabergé mm. eggs are, like, from. I think. Um, but because of this, Anna and Gleb had a massive falling out. Uh, and so she, she went, that's it, I'm moving out. And she went to live in a cottage in New York very mm-hmm. peacefully. And she took the name Anderson so that nobody would know who she was. Nice. So at the same time, the Tsar's mother dies. Mm-hmm. So Anastasia's grandma and 12 of her closest relatives kind of gather in a room to just decide what they're going to do about this whole kind of Anna situation. Mm-hmm. And I think it's basically unanimous. They turn around and go, she's an imposter, right? But that perhaps they'd let it live on this long because it was like a lovely little fantasy that they kind of yeah. all had. So for 18 months, Anna just kind of lives peacefully in New York. Uh, she's living with this woman called Annie who is just really happy to host royalty oh. in her house um, until Anna kind of goes a bit, you know, crazy oh. and kills Annie's parakeet. Oh. The poor bird. And runs around the roof naked. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> so she's taken to a mental hospital in New York um, and held there for a year until um, Annie then pays for her to return to Germany when she's mm-hmm. let out. So that then creates a real interest that Anna's back in Germany, but then at the same time, we have the Second World War. So she went to go and meet um, the oh, Jankovskas mm-hmm. again, who, you know, is Francisca's family, but if they claim her to be their family because they're Polish, she will be arrested. So they have to refuse her as family. So they, they're an actual family? That is, yeah. Her, well, it depends. Um, if you if yeah. you believe that she is mm-hmm. not Anastasia, then yes, that's her actual family. Um, so she cut, she, initially she lives in... Soviet occupied mm-hmm. land 
and then she escapes across the border into French occupied land. Uh, this whole time still just bumping into random people who want to meet her and want to see who she is and who do mm. and don't believe who she is. And then she moves back to Germany after, I think, uh, to a small village um, where she moves into a cottage and just lives quite happily there as a recluse mm. until a house decays oh. around her in 1968. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's discovered, like, half-conscious in this cottage um, in 1968, and they have to get her out, they have to fix the house, they clean her house, and they kill all 60 mm. of her cats. I don't know why they kill all the cats, then they can't just adopt them out, but they Wait, do 16? for some reason. Um, 6T. 6-0. She had 60 Don't cats. <laughs> No. <laughs> No, because her house crumbled oh, around yeah, the her, Michelle. Cats. Well, and they were then put to death. I would have had all of them. Yeah. I'm sorry. It, you wasn't. weren't born yet. But if I was. I don't... I don't... I think your parents were only just yeah. born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um... She was horrified what they'd done, yeah, which is quite understandable. And she moves back to the US. She becomes friends with Gleb again and starts hanging around with his mm-hmm. circle. So he lives in Charlottesville. Um, yes, that Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. Um, and marries a friend of his who's called um, Jack Manhattan, I mm-hmm. think his name is, um, in order to stay in the country because her visa is about oh. to expire. So he's 20 years her senior. Oh. Isn't she pretty old at this point? Yes. So she's like 60 and he's like... I can't do... Eight. Yeah, he's like pretty old. Um, but they actually had like a pretty good marriage. That's nice. Yeah, they were both kind of weird though. Like everybody thought they were really weird. He used to call himself uh, son-in-law of the Tsar. Nice. Can we stop just one second? Um, My cat is crying outside the door. <laughs> okay. What do you want, cat? Sorry, she wanted to go out. That's right. Did yes, you carry I on did. recording? Cool. You were saying. Um, so he like goes around calling himself the son-in-law of the Tsar. Gleb. Oh no. No, uh, mm-hmm. Jack. <laughs> Probably <laughs> Gleb as well, to be fair. Um, and like, um, Anna and Jack become like known in the area as just being eccentrics who just live in squalor so her health begins to decline his health begins to decline she's diagnosed and then treated of a tumor and while she's in hospital her husband kidnaps her (laughs) 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 why um yeah because he doesn't i don't know he doesn't believe in hospital something i don't know but Right, when he kidnaps her, they just drive around for three <laughs> days and eat at convenience stores. Like, that's his master plan. I mean... I mean, would anyone be chasing them? <laughs> Eventually, yeah, after three days, they managed to find it. Three days is all it took. <laughs> I reckon they just knew where they are the whole time. They just followed them and they're like, they've got to get exciting after day four. And they just like go to another convenience store. And they're like, no, okay, we're just going to mm. take them out of their misery. <laughs> 
So, um, they put her then back mm. into hospital because she still needs to kind of recover and because she's really ill. And then she does pass away, um, like, a month later oh. after they find her in 1984 uh, from pneumonia. Um, her ashes are at that castle that was bought <laughs> for her. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I know. Um, so, you, I bet you're on the edge of your seat wondering if she was the real Anastasia. Yes. Well, in 1991, all the bodies of the Tsar, the Tsarina, mm-hmm. who is his wife... Um, and three of the daughters were exhumed in a mass grave. Anastasia and Alexei, her younger brother, were not found. They were not mm-hmm. with the rest of them. Which kind of sparked then a load more of... So, straight after it had happened in 1918, Russia was then living in its kind of communist slash totalitarian yeah. state. So, it was a lot of the people were very unhappy so they created a lot of the rumours about mm-hmm. Anastasia and, and if she was still alive and blah, blah, um, So that kind of then died away. And then in 1991, after like three of the daughters were found, but not mm-hmm. all of them, those rumours kind of carried on again. But then in 2007, she and her brother were found. Wasn't it <clears throat> not... It was quite close-ish to the grave, but not super close. Yes. I think, if I remember this correctly, and I should have looked this up again, they had scattered the bones um, and they crushed them smaller so that um, they wouldn't be found. It was all a plot. But they did. It was. Um, DNA testing on the bones found that um, they had all been killed the same time. Mm-hmm. That in 1918, they had all been killed. Um, and they took... Um, Right, so for some reason Jack had Anna's DNA inside of his books. I don't know why. I don't want to question it. Um, so they tested that after she was mm-hmm. dead um, and found that her DNA did not match the Romanov family, but it did match Francisca's oh family. I'm so, so shocked. I can't <laughs> believe it. She's. <laughs> I know. But there are still people out there who, who don't believe that she was lying, that do believe that she was Anastasia. Like a lot of people who think that the DNA was, um, oh, what's the word? Where well, they like lie about Fake. it. Fake. Um, uh, falsified. I bet they're yeah. also flattered. Uh, and that she is actually her. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. And anti vaxxers, whilst we're at it. So, um,. Anna wasn't the only person to impersonate Anastasia. There was, like, loads of them who were doing it, but she's simply the person who did it the longest, who convinced the most people, and who did it, the you know, was the most notable yeah. about it. Um, and, of course, this story has been turned into many films. As you know, there's the one, there's the animated mm-hmm. version, which then got turned into a musical, which is fantastic. Everybody should go and listen to the music for it. But there were, like, so many other film adaptations as well, including when really? it was happening. So, like, 1930, I think, or late 1920s, mm. there was a, a film about the lost you know, oh, Princess wow. Anastasia, so... Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I found out, I was like, oh, interesting. It gives me an excuse to talk about my bank of knowledge about the Romanov family that I have. Um, and then I, like, did more research, and I was like, she was insane! <laughs> Yes. Um, 
But it was great. Yeah, I wonder if she genuinely did believe that she was Anastasia. Yeah, she took it to a grave. Like, even on her deathbed, she said that she was. So... Because, I don't know, because there's, like, lying about it. But then there's genuinely believing that you were... Because, like, if you were going insane at points, surely you'd, I don't know, reveal it? Or maybe show something that Mm. would indicate that you weren't? Or people just ignored that? Yeah. I mean... After so long of lying, do you reckon she was like, maybe this is that's, true? That's probably true, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, so she was, she started saying she was Anastasia in 1922, and she carried that on until 19, I've forgotten all the years now, 1984, mm-hmm. I think I said. Yes. That's longer than the real Anastasia was alive for. So she was... Anastasia longer than Anastasia was Anastasia. That makes any sense. So she's a weird, like, isn't she technically the real one? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Or is it like a first come, first serve thing? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? But it's very much like the same with yours. The idea of if you pretend that you have money or pretend that you're Mm. owed money, you can get it. Then people give you shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know, you just have to be believable. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. I remember someone telling me, so when I was younger, I always looked Mm -hmm. older than I was. Um, And my cousin, who's the same age as me, she looked kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, our age. Um, And we always used to say about, I wonder if we could be served at a bar when we were still underage. And everybody used to say that despite the fact I looked like I was of age she was able to pretend that she was of age better. Which is a weird thing, but I always remember <laughs> it. That, oh, it depends on how you carry mm. yourself rather than how you look. I mean, yeah, I know a postman once observed that I look like a child, but I act like a woman. <laughs> the fact a postman said that to you. It was very weird. It's kind of weird. Did he, like, were you in a conversation? <laughs> or did he just, like, here's your parcel, by the way? I can't remember. I think he was asking <laughs> you like a child, but you how old like I was. Or he'd looked, um, there might have been, like, oh. an 18th birthday balloon in the window or something. And he'd just said, oh, you're 18. Oh. Something like that. Fair enough, then. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. But, yeah. Do you have any recommendations? Oh, Christ, I forgot about these. Um, yeah, Twilight. Twilight is my recommendation. Written okay. by Stephanie Mayer. The best book series ever written. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I have been reading a book series, though, by Ali oh, Smith. Yes. So the season. I've been telling you about this for years. <laughs> I know, I know. And I finally started... Oh my! I haven't gosh. even read them. It I is just wanted amazing. to read them. <laughs> oh, I mean, I can lend them to you because I have now read yes. them, and I can. You know, you were right with your yeah, premonitions. <laughs> They're fantastic. Mm. Yeah, I've not read Spring yet. Um, wait, is that the third one? I've read Autumn mm. and Winter. I'm yet to read Spring, and then Summer comes out yeah. this summer. But yeah, fantastic. Mm, see, I was right. 
What is your recommendation? Um, it's this podcast called Unladylike. Unladylike. Oh. It is relatively famous. Go it's on. just saying about when, like, women have to act unladylike to get things, but then the whole idea of being unladylike is mm-hmm. ridiculous because we're just people. Oh, It's very okay. good, very feminist. Yeah, it sounds like uh, the idea, <clears throat> like, one is not born a woman, one becomes Simone a woman. Kind of. So, like, yeah. you. But to be unladylike is to reject... The becoming of a lady. (laughs) I had an idea for what we can do to end it. We can be like all the professionals. Oh, go on. Be like, rate and subscribe. (laughs) Give us a five star review. Yes, rate and subscribe. Email us. Her moment is it. Patreon. Yeah. What's our email? Is it her moment in history at gmail.com? It'll yes. be on our social media. All one word. So just email us, you know, tell us yeah. things. Or just go on our social media, check out, send us a yes. DM. Um, yeah. Thank, Thank you very much. for listening. Bye. Bye.